and welcome to We Are HR. This is the HR Partners podcast. Um, this is my first podcast. I'm Anita Vaughan. I'm the General Manager for HR Partners for Victoria and South Australia. And I'd like to introduce my guest. I've got Cassandra Hatton with me. Um, Cassandra is a General Manager of HR for St Vincent de Paul Society of Victoria. Welcome. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you. So we've got a couple of topics that we can talk through today. Uh, one was around employee experience and likening this to um, retail and consumer behaviour. The other one was around, um, and one I can really relate to actually, in the importance of progress over perfection and finding the right balance in HR. Like that really resonates with me. And also mentoring, working with women on a path to leadership positions and providing guidance um, based on your experience. So I'm looking forward to us wandering through these topics together. Yes. And, um, Maybe to begin with, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background, a snapshot of your career? Yeah, absolutely. So currently I'm the General Manager of HR for St Vincent de Paul Society in Victoria and I've been with this organisation for three and a half years and I love it just as much today as I did the very first day I started. It's an amazing organisation. Just here in Victoria, we help over 350,000 people every year and we have 110 shops most a lot of people know them our mini shop shops yes. they're on every corner uh-huh. um, and so just in victoria they generate over 45 million dollars a year that is amazing amount. yeah it's an amazing amount of money it's incredible and lots of people don't realize because mm-hmm. it's a charity and uh, we also raise between 10 and 15 million dollars through our ceo sleepout and a number of other appeals and so we have these funds that we generate as an organization uh, and we've because we've generated it ourselves we've got quite a lot of freedom about how we can use it so we're quite unique to mm-hmm. other charities who mm-hmm. are, have government funding eligibility criteria things like that essentially we can help uh, whoever comes to our doors in most cases so it's a pretty amazing organization to be with and actually I've been in HR for my whole career and also in the not-for-profit space for my whole career quite mm-hmm. intentionally mm-hmm. very passionate about it and I get quite frustrated by the second best mindset that can exist in yes. this space and mm-hmm. I really believe that this space should have the highest caliber people doing mm-hmm. the highest caliber work because the people we serve absolutely deserve it and so um, that's part of my ultimate mandate in my career Um, and so that's great I'm also a wife to an amazing man Shane Mm -hmm. and we've been married for ten and a half years and have lived in uh, Melbourne for eight years and love that and just Uh over the last couple of years I've been running a mentoring program outside of my workplace called winning at work which is aimed at emerging female leaders so Something that I've noticed over the last few years is that women in leadership's very topical mm-hmm. and there's lots out there for women who are already in leadership but mm-hmm. not a lot out there for women on their way to leadership and so I work with that group of people, emerging female leaders and it's so much fun. You're brilliant and I've got so many questions about that piece <laughs> which we can come back to. What I've just wanted to go back and connect with is the funding that you've just talked about there. There's a lot of commercial decisions to be made around how that funding is used to serve your end customer. So I think that's a brilliant myth to debunk for HR professionals who think, oh, I'm not sure about not-for-profit as a sector Mm. because there won't be any funding. There's there's no money to spend. They don't generate. But that's a significant amount of money. It really is. And... um We need the very best people in this sector because it needs to be excellent. It's a really important sector for society in general because there's a lot of need in Australia on a whole range of Mm. different 
areas mm, and topics. Issues. Yeah, mm. and so we need this sector to be excellent, and that mm. means we need the very best people in it doing really, mm. really good work. So, mm. every chance I get, I encourage people to consider making the jump to the not-for-profit space yeah. or the profit-for-purpose space. Profit-for-purpose. Yes. I like that, and I think it's actually really useful because there are a lot of um, misconceptions around what that will mean for my career if I move into mm. the not-for-profit sector. Um, so it's nice to hear that you're really passionate about it and can share stories about the value mm-hmm. that can really be added through that. Yeah. We often find that people who, are, and this is speaking from a HR perspective, I worked at HR Partners for um, eight years, but 25 years in HR and recruitment, so internal and um, agency land. And what I've found is that people that are latter in their career start to think about giving back mm. and then the NFP sector becomes really appealing, but wouldn't it be lovely if it was higher on the first, second and third choices for yes. a career earlier in their career where they can yeah. develop a really meaningful career in that sector rather than trying to transaction, mm. transact back in later. So true. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. There's mm. the funding piece I get hooked on. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money from op shops. And that's just Victoria. So we exist in a federated model across Australia. And so right. it's far larger with, and you take all the other states into account. Mm. Well, could we start with the women in leadership piece? And it sounds like that mentoring group, that, is it a mentoring group that you run or is it a... Currently I'm working on an individual basis. I have right. a number of clients. Coaching um, one-on-one. Here in Melbourne or in other states uh, and will operate online or over the phone and mm. occasionally do one-on-ones, but it's individual, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what beca- what made that so meaningful for you? Where did the need, the drive for that come from? And, and the reason I say that is it often comes from a point in our own career yeah. where something was missing that we needed and then we have a heart for people who we feel like we can meet that need for them for them to progress. Where did that come from for you? It's probably the opposite for me, actually, is that I feel like there was such a presence for me in terms of investment and mentoring and amazing people around me that I've been able to learn from that I also wanted to do that for other people on their journey as well. So I've worked for some incredible managers and I've learnt and been given lots of opportunity and um, they've been very generous with how they have invested in me personally. Um, and then also outside of work, just in some of the environments that I've found myself in, I've mm-hmm. been around amazing people. Mm-hmm. I'm just very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that's probably the main driver for it. And then also uh, it's a bit of a challenge as well. Like it's an extra thing for to utilise the skills that I have in a yes. different context than the workplace. Absolutely. Yeah. And would you call that luck that you've come across these amazing mentors and people to invest in your leadership? Because I, I wouldn't say that would be the norm. Mm. Um, why do you think that's come about? That's a great question. <laughs> I I guess it I'm not sure I ever use the word luck. Is it mm. luck? Maybe luck. Mm. I've also been very intentional about it. Creating it for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Um but yes, I have tended to find myself in great environments around great people. And yes. so I've made it I mean I often say to the people that I work with, there's far more in your reach than you realise. Mm. And so mm. there's most people, if they look around the workplace, there's incredible people that they could say, hey, why don't we go and grab a coffee together? Mm. And they would learn so much just Mm. over a 30-minute coffee. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. certainly a lot of my experience. We also are in the information era and we have every 
access best practice person in the world yeah, yeah. at our fingertips essentially and so we can be mentored by books and podcasts and TED talks mm. podcasts yeah. like this <laughs> um yeah, yeah so it's just about being very intentional about it um, I can relate to that on my journey I haven't um I haven't been in a, in a situation where I've been lacking with role models and mentors, but I got coached by someone called Pollyanna Lynchick many years ago who said that every area of your life, if you looked at it as a pie chart, you can find someone who can coach you or mentor you mm. for that area of your life. So for the next two years, I went around finding someone who could be a mentor for finance, who could be a mentor around relationships, a so mentor good. around health, and of course at work. And I think we're really lucky in the HR community that, that so many people are generous with their time mm. and their heart with giving... Um, you know a, a quick phone call with some thoughts or a cup of coffee for half an hour it's amazing how much you can learn and I've always felt that we're really lucky in HR because of the culture of sharing yes. and so for yeah. my career that's been unbelievable access mm. I wish everyone had access to the people that I've had access to in my career yeah, <laughs> to talk so to about a million really things it is amazing and um, particularly in the the balancing life as well as careers for women in leadership. So yes. I've got a family of two little kids and a gorgeous hubby and an au pair yep. and live out in the southeastern suburbs. And there's a lot of juggling to do with um, having a GM level career and Absolutely. working in large global, but for a boutique and working in HR community. And um, yeah, there's a lot to balance, but there are some really amazing people who will give and share. So sometimes true. it's a thought, sometimes mm. it's a story. It's not always a formal, I think sometimes people think mentoring is a sit down formal list of questions to coach me to my next something, mm. but it's actually the amazing conversations that just unfold through spending time. Mm. Yeah, so my program is exactly like that. Like it's right. quite structured and unstructured at the same time. So it's structured okay. in that I have content that I work through with people mm-hmm. and we meet at regular times. It's also unstructured in the sense that as soon as you're in the winning at work tribe, I'm your person and you can mm-hmm. ring and we can talk in between and I'm going to, like, I'm passionate about helping the girlfriends succeed and find their pathway to leadership and build that confidence because confidence Mm -hmm. is a huge Mm -hmm. thing probably one of the highest things that I have seen hold people back so Mm -hmm. really putting courage in people and helping them to realize their own potential Mm -hmm. so that's beautiful and how does someone become part of your mentoring program so I'm curious. Yeah, so there's a huge application process. I'm just kidding. Um, so I've got a website. It's CassandraHatton.com and, or I'm on LinkedIn at Cassandra Hatton and usually people just open up a fairly informal conversation with me via one of those avenues and we arrange a time to meet or a time to talk on the phone mm-hmm. and I share a little bit about the program and decide whether or not it's a good fit for both of us um, and whether it's the right investment for people to make for them at this point in their career. Mm -hmm. And are you happy to share two or three points that are really important that you share with people that you're mentoring that have helped you on your journey in leadership? Of course. I'm really keen. I I don't expect ten in our podcast, but two or three (laughs) would be lovely. So um, I believe that women who win at work have three really important factors absolutely down and so women who win at work are deeply convicted mm-hmm. they're highly credible mm-hmm. and they're fiercely capable that's the three domains that I talk about I love it <laughs> um, I really like the descriptors of um, those pieces with deeply highly and fiercely it's it's emotive and mm. really real mm. um, I love that wow one at a time deeply convicted tell me about that okay so 
this is all about um, women understanding their values. Mm -hmm. So our values have a really big part to play in how we show up in the workplace. Absolutely. And, um, a lot of people find it very difficult to actually name their values and where mm -hmm. they came from and mm -hmm. understand what that looks like in terms of behaviour. So there's a discovery piece around our values. There's also a discovery piece around our value. So take off the S. Mm -hmm. Um, and something that I get people to do the first time I meet with them, and it's fairly cringy intentionally, <laughs> is I make people say, I am valuable. So do it. Say, I am valuable. I am valuable. So it's a tiny bit cringy. And most yes. people, when they do it, they pull a face and they their voice yeah. changes. And they're like, <laughs> did you see that? I am valuable. And yes. Hunched over a little bit. Because oh. um, it's difficult to really go there unless you've gone there to mm -hmm. be able to properly say I am valuable and sometimes even if we think that and believe that for ourselves we don't necessarily want other people to know that we think that of ourselves and that's a little bit to do with the Aussie culture a little bit of talk poppy yes mm. and so um there's some work to do for every individual about truly understanding mm. and properly letting it land that I am valuable. I've got something to offer. I've got something to bring to the table and being confident in that. And I say all the time, you can be confident and humble at the same time. It's not one mm. or the other. Mm. It's not like mm. this arrogant, you know, ugly thing that sometimes confidence can be talked yes. about, especially yes. for women. Yes. <laughs> you can be confident and humble at the same time. You can be really great and have a whole lot of achievements and still have that so it's deeply convicted as your values your value and then also getting some vision and really getting clear on what your vision is and when you do the discovery piece around those things then you can be deeply convicted and being deeply convicted is like sending roots down deep into the soil so you can weather any season because if you know your values and you know your value and you know your vision Hard stuff can come, mm -hmm. like it definitely does, as soon as you hit mm -hmm. a leadership role or in the mm -hmm. workplace full stop. They're the things that really help you weather hard seasons. So being deeply that. convicted. I love that because so often we feel like we need to try something on as opposed to it aligning to who you actually are and your discovery process checks into that first, that yes. alignment. So yeah. it's natural yeah. sinking into what you are rather than trying to be something else or add another five hats to yeah. how we need to show up. I really like that. And the second one? So highly credible. highly credible. So this is really important because you can be really great at your job but not necessarily be credible. Yes. And so credibility is what gets you a seat at the table and makes the words that you speak weighty. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the way that you build credibility in the workplace has to do with what you do, what you say and how you present. And so essentially when I'm working with people, we talk through and we discover mm -hmm. what some of the opportunities in each of those areas looks like, mm -hmm. specifically for them and specifically for their context because it, you know, every workplace has a different set of expectations, but it's important to win at work and to progress in your career, to have credibility and be intentional about yes. building that credibility. Yes, mm -hmm. and that relates beautifully for people who are looking for HR roles because sometimes we can do an interview with someone and I remember early in my career sitting with Sue Ritchie who'd been with us for 16 years coming out and going I love that person they're amazing but I don't know if they're any good at what they do <laughs> so they had the warmth and the connection but they weren't taking time to show yeah. that they were commercial which is the credible piece mm. and then you meet people the other way around that they're very intentional around their commerciality and you walk out going wow I think they know their stuff but I just couldn't connect mm. so I really like how you've linked the values and the credibility mm. all together so I can show up as a whole person that's re actually really powerful yeah great advice for anyone who's listening <laughs>
And our final one? Uh, fiercely, fiercely capable. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this also overlaps with the other three. I draw in a diagram with three circles where they all mm-hmm. overlap. Mm-hmm. And this is about being very intentional about making sure you have capability in your role for the reasons that you just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also looking ahead as someone with vision wanting to progress at where am I trying to get to and what are the skills and knowledge and experiences that I need to do that role and starting now to develop that so that yes. when the opportunity arises, I'm already seen as fiercely capable. I already know mm-hmm. what I need to know to do mm-hmm. that role. And I explain that it's like cutting a key for the door for your next opportunity, being very yes. intentional about building your capability for the next mm. opportunity. I love that. I love that. And is there anything there that you think is specific for women, you know, female emerging <laughs> leaders as opposed to young male emerging leaders? To be honest, it's probably all very similar for mm-hmm. everyone. Like I think being deeply convicted, highly credible, fiercely capable is important for anyone to mm-hmm. succeed in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, confidence is a major yes. piece for the... That was the standout women. for me yeah. around the... There's lots of research, isn't there, around yes. women and their confidence level that whether it's be for promotions, that women will need the little tap on the shoulder, hey, what about you, and, mm. and need every box checked before mm. they'll hit the apply button, exactly. and that, that is quite different for our male counterparts. Cheryl Sandberg, who's the yes. COO at yes. Facebook and has worked at Google and a whole lot of other Silicon Valley companies has that book called Lean In and she's yes. got lots of examples and cites lots of research around the confidence piece for women and the fact that they discount themselves before they even press the apply button whereas yes. men maybe will maybe only tick 60% off the boxes but will be like well I can give that a shot mm, mm. <laughs> so sometimes we just have to let ourselves have a shot yes. a, and back ourselves yes. yeah and I think it ties beautifully into the second topic we talked about around um, perfectionism and wanting everything to be perfect for us to begin something or everything to be perfect to feel mm. like we've succeeded. Mm. So I think that segues really nicely into our, the next topic, which was around progress over perfection and finding the right balance within HR. I'm very interested in your thoughts on this. Yeah. Where to start? Where to start? <laughs> so I can probably reflect and resonate with this personally for mm-hmm. my own sense of what I'm trying to achieve in my role, in my workplace, in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's the whole picture, right? It's the whole picture. We don't just exist at work. We are who we are Mm. in all the places that we are. Mm -hmm. So so I can resonate with that individually. I can also resonate with that in the workplace. Um, And so it's it's come up um, recently within my team where we have these big visions and big aspirations which is absolutely what you want in a team mm-hmm. you want passion mm-hmm. and um and that, setting the bench high absolutely to start with. yeah big vision yeah. what do they call it blue sky blue, blue sky, sky. Yep. absolutely and sometimes you can get frustrated because you're not quite where you want to be or you haven't quite helped the organization progress to where you think that it should be or maybe we're not um maybe one of our processes or our services or our products isn't quite at the standard that we would want it to be Mm. at yet and we can get really upset about that Mm. or we can acknowledge that everything we do is an iterative process and um, there's probably a few ways of looking at this so the way that I talk about this is that it's like it's like 
inviting a toddler so you said you mm-hmm. have some young kids yeah i have a three-year-old <laughs> okay so it's like asking a three-year-old to go and run a marathon mm-hmm. it's just the reality yeah. is your yeah. three-year-old cannot run a marathon they do not have the maturity to run a marathon mm-hmm. they don't have the strength they don't have the mm-hmm. muscle mm-hmm. development they don't have the experience they don't have the techniques they don't have mm-hmm. um or the attention span or the, the attention span there you go so, <laughs> so the maturity level's not yeah. there and yeah. so i could go to your three-year-old and i could say well look this is the expectation and you I know you said you can't do it I know you said you're not ready but my expectation is that you get out there and you run that marathon and you nail that 42 kilometers mm. or I could go to a three-year-old and say here let me help you learn I'm gonna let me mm. walk through this um, mm. marathon running yes. guide for the very best and give you this nutrition plan I can mm. do everything or you could just teach <laughs> the three-year-old how to put their sneakers on that's the real <laughs> beginning for a three-year-old okay, so- so that is that's exactly the point I'm making yeah. is that yeah. I can do all of that. It's still not going to get right now your three year old yes. dog. The truth is I need to raise that runner. I need to, you need yes. to raise that toddler, you need to develop them and let them go through mm-hmm. the straight stages of learning, practicing, maturing, strengthening, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that. That absolutely applies to the workplace and so very often the maturity level of a service product system or whole organization mm. is quite low mm. and so you can say well this is the standard this is what we expect or here's all the best practices and here are all the things that you have to do and the best way to get there mm-hmm. but you still have to take the yes. organization and develop it and mature it and go through the stages and you there are some things that can speed that up but there are other times when it's a time factor and you have to let the organization or the process or the system mature so that's kind of the analogy that I draw on Um, and so the point is that it's iterative Mm. and you've got to celebrate progress so Mm -hmm. getting your shoes on Mm -hmm. well done (laughs) you know what I mean and every step that we make is a step closer to where we're trying to get so I I just think it's really important to stop and look back sometimes and say, actually, look how far we've come and look how much we've achieved, especially Mm -hmm. in our organisation. There's so many examples of this um, where we can stop and look back and just be really proud of the achievement that we've made. Not content, we're not finished, Mm -hmm. we're not stopping, Mm -hmm. but we are celebrating and acknowledging the progress and that we're closer to where we want to be. We're not there yet. That's a tiny bit frustrating sometimes, but we're making progress. And so it's focusing on... Let's just keep making progress, and before we know it, we're going to be at the goal that we set yes. for ourselves. So that's that. There, my yes. thoughts on progress over perfection. So I have a question around that. It's like there's playing a short game and you're playing a long game all exactly. at the same time. Exactly. Have you had stakeholder groups, whether it's a sales division, a marketing division, a finance team, that have gone, you know, halfway through the race, can't do this, you know, it's not not achievable. How do you bring someone back onto the journey when they feel like they're they're not there or nowhere near where they thought they would be how do you well, bring I them think back that's exactly that analogy of you have to develop and raise the organization mm-hmm. you have to help it mature so our job is to bring people on the journey and make sure we're giving them the skills and we're giving them the systems and we're um, giving them the big reason why yes. <laughs> this is all happening yes. um, so is it a, is it perfect of course it's not no. um, yes. and I think the thing is that any context that you put a bunch of people in there's going to be issues and differences of opinion so you just have to accept that as well Mm, yeah it's (laughs) Um, not a perfect world it's not a perfect world but Mm. 
you know, encouraging teams to just keep making progress. Don't wait for perfection. Mm-hmm. And it, that kind of makes me think about um, the agile project methodology mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that iterative, let's do everything we can to create a product that we can get out there and then let's improve it iteratively and keep making yes. progress. Yeah. And have you had a bump in your journey where you've been striving for perfection and felt that yourself in your career? So many parts in the joint <laughs> in the journey. Um, honestly, it's like a, a semi daily struggle. It's a constant journey, yeah. and yeah. I'm always remembering what I talk with other people about mm-hmm. for them, for and yeah. have to keep reminding myself, "Oh, I've got to apply that as well." So every day is like this conscious decision of, "Okay, well, are we doing everything we can? Are we making progress? And if we're not, actually addressing it." But big picture, making sure, let's just keep making progress, let's keep moving Mm. as quality and fast as we can towards where we need to go, Mm. whilst bringing everybody with us and not going so fast that we leave half of the people behind. It's not helpful. No, not at all. And do you think that um, in HR there's maybe a... um, they're reserved in choosing the big sky picture, blue sky, to be too amazing because they don't know if they're going to be able to achieve it. Do you think that, that sometimes with HR we we don't um, strive as hard or as far as we could because of the perfectionism thing? Possibly, yeah. That might come down to individuals mm-hmm. more than the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that that mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. I remember reading a quote, and it's exactly what you said about beginning things and it was it was something along the lines of um if we waited till everything was perfect to begin we would never have started we anything. would never start anything exactly yeah so it's just um getting on the journey isn't it yeah and so all of that said um it's also important not to let all that was just said be a reason to not make yes. more progress and mm. say oh but we've mm. made progress mm. Mm. so it was that, enough it was yeah, enough yeah <laughs> so it's just that tension of excellence and progress or perfection it's the it's the tension of can mm. have we done everything we can do versus what's realistic and what can we do mm. in the context and environment and with the maturity of the organization people product that we have right now mm-hmm. sometimes that's out of our control yes tension to manage yes yeah. the pull and push i was just thinking yeah. then about hr teams and how you get a hr team on that same journey sometimes you may have one or two individuals who've got a whole lot of drive and a whole lot of can do and will just do whatever it takes and you have others who aren't on the same point how in your experience you've managed several teams now at gm level of hr how have you brought your teams on that journey i think that will be interesting for other senior hr people to reflect on for their businesses absolutely i think probably every team that i've worked within has had a mix of people and that's the beauty of the team Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the challenge of the team Mm. all at the same time (laughs) um so always it's about working with people and Mm. stopping and sitting down and really seeing to the heart of the issue Mm -hmm. and helping other people understand other perspectives and not be closed just because what we're hearing or seeing is different than what we think and so trying to foster that sense of open-mindedness and and then also patience for the, mm. those really driven mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm. <laughs> that that understanding that you've got to raise the child you've got to raise yes, the organization um, but there's not I don't think there's one attitude or um, in the team that's better or worse to be honest mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. existence of them in the team together is attention mm. so 
uh, encouraging conversation, open discussion around that, mm-hmm. and then working and agreeing together. Okay, what are we going to do, and making those plans together? Yes, mm-hmm. with the patience sprinkled on top, with which I'm hearing from you. <laughs> That's really cool. So what I'm hearing is that you can have a whole team of people with different levels of ambition and drive and they can have a completely different experience with you um, but all pull together for the one vision and that's and the blue sky picture that we're aiming for. Um, the other topic we talked about was experience, so an employee's experience. Um, and I'm just interested on in your thoughts around linking this to retail and consumer behaviour. I'm very interested. This is such a fun topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so and it's big, customer X, employee X, it's, yeah. it's big right now. <laughs> so a few years ago, the big focus was all around the customer experience mm. and it morphed into um, the employee experience and then it led to all those debates and conversations about who's more important, the customer or the employee? Yes. What do you think the answer is? <laughs> yes, yes, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> so many... Um, well, there are lots of opinions. I do so have an opinion, opinions. but we'll, yeah. There's so many opinions. Um, but the whole um, idea, kind of umbrellaing both of those, is that you have to intentionally design the experience that you want for your people. And there's a leadership author by the name of Sam Chand, and he mm-hmm. says that culture is either by design or by default. Mm-hmm. So if you don't design it, it will just default to mm. the collective mm. um, the group think that's there everyone that's in the building and the this is how I do things that they bring to the organisation or default to the collation of all of those Mm -hmm. things Um, so he talks about with when it comes to your culture you have to intentionally design it and so that thought applies to the general employment experience full stop and I think about the era that we're in or the point in time in society that we're in we are such a experience driven kind of people (laughs) and we love things that are customized and personalized and uh, I can think about a whole range of examples like I think uh, there was a big coca-cola campaign a number of years ago where they put people's names on coca-cola bottles i think tim tams did it recently Mm -hmm. and there's all of the bags and wallets and all of those things that people can get their initials put on everything's Mm -hmm. a little bit of an experience it makes us feel a certain way um and so we can apply that thinking to the workplace as well in terms of how we design how do we want people to feel when they join us Mm -hmm. what do we want them to see and experience um so certainly uh in terms of our organization where we are right now we're at the very beginning of this journey and so this links beautifully into the idea of progress over Mm -hmm. perfection because we're not quite where we would want to be Mm -hmm. and giving what the um the the product the employment product that we would want to give yet but it's pretty great and we're making progress towards where we want to be um so the whole experience that you have when you go into um any retail outlet or we can apply all the same thinking so and I'm seeing that a huge part of the experience that retailers are offering is that personalization and customization piece Mm. Um, so one example that I've used before is uh, McDonald's so Mm. I don't eat there don't judge Mm me don't look at me like that (laughs) I have a three-year-old so we do you can't beat the maximum (laughs) grounds yeah Um, 
they a few years ago introduced the make your own the build your own burger and I mean we can introduce imagine that for as an employer so instead of just being sent your contract of employment you actually get sent a menu Mm -hmm. and you get to choose from a menu of items that you put into your contract or your employment experience the truth is McDonald's already knows the ingredients and the things that are on offer they can't actually vary that much but mm-hmm. we all feel pretty great when we get to build it the way that we mm-hmm. want to build it and mm-hmm. choose the things that mm-hmm. I want to have mm-hmm. at that particular time the I'm special mentality I need it something special yeah exactly yeah. so we can apply the same kind of thinking to everything that we do customer experience employment experience mm. um, yeah so I think there's a lot to learn from that whole space that we can pull into the relationship that we have with people coming into the workplace, especially the younger generation, who have all that's really all they know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I can relate to that from um, working with organisations that need to. Some do spend a lot of time and money on their EVPs, and some don't. And um, the people they can attract and how they attract is completely different. Mm. And the experience that people have during that beginning of the journey from attraction through to commencement that. Um, businesses need to invest more and more in that to be absolutely competitive you're the experts on this we, you we do see this you we're at the this. front we're at the cold face of yes. this yeah. where organizations say oh we're fabulous and we'll pay x figure a year and um you know we've got funky offices and we've got a great view <laughs> well actually now when candidates are shopping for roles they're absolutely shopping like a consumer this business mm. is going to give me a thousand dollars a travel voucher this business is going to um, give me volunteer um, two days a year of, mm. of that time or I can work from home on a Thursday. It's definitely changing to be the um, the power has swung back to the candidate mm. more than the client in this Absolutely. particular market. Yeah. And I'm wondering how this, I think it would be really special for you in um, the not-for-profit sector to be able to help you attract really great candidates by being able to invest in the, these really cool employee experience pieces because it's it, you know it's difficult as it is isn't it mm. yeah and it doesn't necessarily have to cost a lot of money so there's a lot of things that you can offer that maybe come under that umbrella heading of perks yes <laughs> there's also lots of ways that you can customize the experience for people just through teaching your leaders how to lead really well so having meaningful conversations with their employees and actually working through a range of topics asking them to tell you on a scale of one to ten um, how much autonomy do you want mm-hmm. and how much do you currently get so if they're saying well I would like to have a nine but currently I get about a six all right let's have a conversation about mm. that gap mm. or on a scale of one to ten um, how much how many how much opportunity do you want to be creative like you can whatever the topics are Mm -hmm. and that's very local like that's Mm -hmm. very one-on-one scale Mm -hmm. of course there's the really big whole of organization stuff the perks and the this is what everybody gets and that's very important more linked to benefits than yeah which is very very important as well Mm. um but we know that up to 80% of the employment experience comes down to the leader and mm. people's experience with their direct line Absolutely. manager. So having Absolutely. those meaningful conversations and crafting for each person something that suits them, which doesn't mm. require lots of investment or big new policies or anything like that, is just understanding the people that you're working with and then crafting an experience that you can give to them. 
that sounds like what you're saying is it's a time investment it's a conversation investment it's yeah. a heart investment yeah. it's an I care not necessarily a dollar outcome both both, both. together yeah mm. yeah I've definitely observed that with um employees who've been able to attract really clever talent that they've engaged very early with the senior managers that they're going to be working with and they continue to engage all the way along in the process. I mm. think one of the risks for businesses at the moment is that the the tech and touch challenge, businesses integrating more technology and digitisation is so actually true. reducing the touch. So we have a theory in our business that any time you um, replace a process with uh, or a person with an AI tool or you've increased your tech component you need to double your touch so that, that there's higher quality time yeah, wow, and better quality time mm. um, with your customer or in this case with an employee <laughs> or an employer really mm. but it's that touch time yeah. I think that we we're in a I think of the next generation who are so social media savvy who are so Facebook friend communities and, mm. and, and um, yes there's a lot more I can do in the Facebook community Zach <laughs> Um, but there's the the risk of that and the opportunity for employees is to be able to give that high-touch experience yeah. that they really desperately need for progressing their careers, mm. which is linked back to your mentoring. You're spending one-on-one -on -one time with people mm. to to give that personal investment in people. And I can see that theme through our whole discussion with mm. you. It's that there is heart and there's care and it's about integrity and it is about giving back and you're doing that in your organisation and you're doing that with your teams and also... Um, with these extra mentoring programs, which is just beautiful. Thank you. The only other question I have would be around any advice you'd have for young HR professionals. So we work with young emerging leaders who would love to be a director of HR one day. Um, and it seems like a really big stretch from where they are today to where they need to get to. And they're not even quite sure of what the, the journey is. It's mm. not always a straight line journey to get to that point. What advice would you have for any of our young emerging female HR practitioners that like to be a leader and um, yeah, open to your thoughts. My advice would be first of all back yourself so actually see yourself there where you want to go. Um, secondly I would say get a mentor <laughs> and maybe that's formal arrangement or maybe it's an informal arrangement like I said earlier. Um, it could be someone that you've never met before. Read books. There's mm. so much literature mm. out there. Just invest in yourself. So um, you've got to be intentional about it and mm -hmm. you're allowed to be intentional about it. It's not, it's like I was saying earlier, you're allowed to be confident and humble at the same time. You're allowed to have drive and vision for your life. You have permission. So be intentional about doing that. Get a mentor, read, invest in yourself. I'll just say invest in yourself. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I think that is really good advice. And, there, and he says that there's so many resources that people can do that. And in the HR community specifically, it's a beautiful group of people who so are true. so generous with their time. So true. Um, yeah. Including you. Thank you so much for being generous with your time today. Thank you. It's, Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and time has gone really fast. <laughs> so that's a, a good sign of having fun when time goes really quickly. Absolutely. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining our podcast um, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. We are HR. We Amazing. are HR. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.